Penn State men's basketball gets better again. Jamil Brown, one of the Micah Shrewsbury freshmen, is staying and is going to be a part of Mike Rhodes' plan. Why he stayed, it's actually a lot simpler than you might expect. And what the heck is Jalen Deloche doing? You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Zach Seiko, your host, and I am joined by contributor for Black Shoe Diaries, SB Nation, Pat Korbler on the other side. Pat, it's great to see you again. Recent basketball news. Penn State fans should feel very good about this. Yeah, as always, thank you for having me on, Zach. Um, always great time. Always a great time to come on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. And yeah, despite the fact that this past weekend was definitely more focused on Penn State football and was a football weekend in Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. Very important weekend for basketball, too. So, yeah, excited to talk about the news. Yeah, Jamil Brown announces he's coming back. That's a win. The situation with Jalen Deloche. Ah, we're going to get into all of it. And Locked on Nittany Lions is your go-to for Penn State Rivals, your go-to podcast now. Visit PennState.Rivals.com or HappyValleyInsider.com. For your source for all things Penn State athletics. Okay, Jamil Brown's sticking around. Uh, Mike Rhodes is able to secure a, a recommitment out of him. And I personally, I was a little surprised just because of the relationship where he's from. He's out of state. He followed Micah Shrewsbury to Purdue, uh, then decommitted and then uh, ultimately committed to Penn State and played the one year. And then Adam Fisher, who we know just behind the scenes had a great relationship with Jamil and goes to Temple. He made that visit. I guess it wasn't good enough. And then he ultimately sticks in Happy Valley. So what is the takeaway from this? Why did Jameel Brown feel felt like he fit in best with Mike Rhodes's new plan for the Nittany Lions? It's a great question. Uh, one I unfortunately don't know the full answer to, just because, like you were saying, right, Jameel has such a connection to Micah. He was committed to basically him at Purdue. Um, he's a Philly kid. He played at Haverford and then, and then his last season mm-hmm. at Westtown. So obviously he's going to have a relationship with Adam Fisher, who even prior to coming to Penn State when he was at Miami was really big in getting guys like Isaiah Wong to Miami, being that they were Northeast guys. Sounded like or is reported that Brown did visit Temple. And I think, you know, just for for you and I and really for anybody that's going to obviously kind of stick out as, you know, a point of contention that he would potentially be going to to Temple. Um, But, yeah, worked out in Penn State's favor in the end why that's the case uh you know it's only us speculating i think it's probably a combination of things right like first and foremost just and we talked about this on a previous podcast just like as people it can be tough to you know if you're jamil brown or if you're a here if you're keba if you're whoever kanye clary you spend this one year at penn state and you're starting to get comfortable right you get over that freshman hump that i think you know any freshman goes through whether they're um, an athlete or a non-athlete and then it, it can be trying to to then have to pick up the pieces and, and move somewhere again and go kind of go through that process again. So I think for Jamil, not knowing right if he was going to follow Shrewsbury to Notre Dame or if he was going to follow Fisher to to Temple, kind of not knowing exactly what his role was going to be. And not that that's necessarily the case at, at Penn State, but I, I think he probably looked at it from the perspective of no matter where I'm going, 
I'm not going to know exactly exactly what my my role is going to be, right? Compared to somebody like Keva, who is probably going to have a better idea if he decides to go to Notre Dame, what his role is going to be, or even Evan, guys who played a little bit more last year. Jamil is basically starting at the ground level, no matter where he's at. So it kind of makes some sense to stay at Penn State, where he's comfortable with. And I think even from his perspective, right, we watch what Mike Rhodes is doing in the portal and knowing that there's going to be so much turnover on this roster and that Brown, all things considered has a pretty good chance of, of, you know, at least being in the rotation here. So a combination of things, um, right. Not everything is black and black and white when it came to this decision, but I think it really just come came down to Jamil Brown being comfortable at Penn state and, and obviously comfortable in what Mike Rose and his staff were offering him. Very well put. I think that, yeah, familiarity had a lot to do with it. You're, you're jumping from school location to location to location. This would be your third different place of basketball because you go from high school senior to Penn State freshman to now what? A redshirt freshman somewhere completely different with uh, a, new, a new staff regardless because Micah Shrewsbury didn't take his whole staff with him. To Notre Dame. So yeah, you were losing. The, I think if Micah was able to maintain a majority of his staff, I know Mike Fairley's going with him, but uh, and Adam Fisher and Jamil Brown's case is going to Temple, then that's an all new staff that you've never worked with. Those are all new players. Same thing at Notre Dame. Maybe you take a, a Keba Jai with you uh, and Evan Mahaffey. We'll, we'll get to them in just a second. But as far as Jamil Brown's situation goes, Kanye Clary's still there. Demetrius Lilly at 99%. I, I don't think he's going in the portal, but he's just been so quiet and he hasn't entered the portal to this point that he's going to stay in Happy Valley. And Jamil Brown's like, well, I played a year here. I also played in a year under Micah and Adam's system for the most part. It was Micah's, but Adam definitely had a lot of influence being the associate head coach, you know, Micah's right-hand man. And he probably sat back and said, I didn't play a whole lot. And I get it. Jalen Pickett was there and you had a lot of guys that were were caught up in the backcourt. You saw Dalian Johnson slide down uh, in terms of minutes, non-existent at all. And I feel like Jamil Brown might have stepped back and said, you know, maybe in Mike Rose's system, I might be able to flourish more than I could have in Micah Shrewsbury. And that's okay to make that assessment. Yeah. And I think it's also a case of, although the NCAA and right, their rules are kind of, depends upon the situation mm -hmm. but knowing that you do only have that one transfer before you graduate yeah. so if you're jameel and you're not 100 sure on what's going to happen at Notre Dame, or not 100 sure at what's going to happen at temple or whatever schools we're looking at them you can go back to penn state see what mac Rhodes is like and next year jameel can decide hey now i want to answer the transfer portal and still have that option if he decided to go to another school right if he decided to go to temple that isn't necessarily going to be the case. He's kind of stuck there until he he graduates. I know that you can, you know, with the NCA, it's kind of like, uh, sometimes they grant waivers, sometimes they don't. But, um, you know, I just think for Jamil, at least for right now, for the next year, it kind of made sense for him to, to stick at Penn State with, like we we're saying, that, that familiar nature. It is Locked On Nittany Lions, Pat Korbler of Black Shoe Diaries. Joining me on the show, we're talking Penn State men's basketball. Jalen Deloche kind of makes a different decision. He hasn't decided on a place. He's decided on actually the 180 of making a decision. And before we get to that, plus Kevajai, Evan Mahaffey, and so much more, your thoughts on blue-white, Pat. Uh, let's hear from one of our sponsors for today's episode, and that is Built. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. And I don't have all the details yet, but 
but the excitement is real, and it's something you won't want to miss out on. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world, and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about and I can't wait to see what the new flavor is. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON15. That is LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off of your order. And thanks so much for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. Your go-to podcast for Penn State rivals. Visit happyvalleyinsider.com for everything Penn State athletics. Evan Mahaffey, Kev Ajay. It seems like things are going to get interesting there because at least the latest reports indicate, uh, you know, Evan Mahaffey's from Ohio and Kebajai is from Indiana. So uh, at least for Wednesday, as of Wednesday, April 19th, depending on when you're watching this, uh, Kebajai is going to wrap up his recruiting visit at Notre Dame. And all I would say that all things point to Notre Dame as the destination for Kebajai uh, really came on at the end of his freshman season under uh, season under coach Shrewsbury system. Uh, he's probably going to have an expanded role because Notre Dame's going through the same thing where the old players, some of them are exiting or going to other schools and there's going to be a new foundation built. And at least it's going to be somewhat similar to what coach Shrewsbury was doing at Penn state. So Keba Jai to Notre Dame seems likely, but Penn state's still in the fold. And then for Evan Mahaffey, he's from Ohio. Dayton is making a very big push because that's where he's from Dayton, Ohio. Then he visited Ohio state. I would really hate to see him make the Jamari Wheeler move, but uh, I, I guess it's in the cards here. So what ultimately do you think happens with Jai and Mahaffey, Pat? I'm kind of going along the line of thinking that going five for five with those freshmen, right? With Jamil, Kanye, Demetrius, and then and then Keba and Mahaffey was, was generally pretty unrealistic. The fact that you could get five freshmen to stay and a couple of them that had pretty big roles last year, at least depends if you want to argue about Kevin Mahaffey's role, but right guys that were at least in the rotation in some sense um, as freshmen and Kevin getting a couple starts or quite a few starts. I do basically agree with it's, it seems pretty wrapped up that Keba is most likely going to go to Notre Dame. And I do realize that like the idea of, well, Jalen Deloach just visited Penn state from BCU. And now it, 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 it seems like he's wide open. So shouldn't the same be true of Keba, right? He's from Penn state. Mm -hmm. He's visiting Notre Dame where his old coach, um, is now coaching. It just seems more so that Jalen is Jalen Deloach is certainly enjoying the process and has tweeted out things like his top six and how he's open to visits and things like that. And Keba is basically keeping things pretty on the down low. I know there, there was a report of schools that were, that were interested in him that were offering him. I think it was John Rothstein that reported that, but otherwise it seems like Keba is, is, is basically, this is pretty much a Penn State or Notre Dame decision, at least on the surface. And yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's a good thing that he's visiting Notre Dame, you know, for a day or two. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, Three days almost. Yeah. So it just it just seems like, you know, Penn State was going to lose one of these guys, at least one of these guys. And Keba, you know, at least in my mind was always just the most likely one just because he was such a highly touted prospect and and Micah Shrewsbury is such a big reason why he came to Penn State that that him going to Notre Dame, which, like you said, has just as many roster holes as Penn State does right now. So he'll certainly have a role there, most likely a starting role. Um, so, yeah, I would, you know, pr project or predict that Keba would end up in Notre Dame. Mahaffey, who really knows? Uh, another kid that's that's keeping it quiet. Both these Penn State kids are, are keeping it quiet. Um I've heard about the the Dane situation in Ohio State, and and I'm sure there's a couple of other schools involved. But 
would have been, definitely been one of those you would have thought that if he's staying at Penn State that he probably would have you know made a decision within the same time frame as Kanye Clary and Jamil Brown you know right after Blue and White Weekend and I know last week was basically a de facto official visit for the current Penn State guys even though they they you know already go to school here and still live here um, so I think the longer this goes the worse it is for Penn State and Mahaffey but you know, that's just simply me speculating based upon really nothing other than my gut. So I'm so hopeful that Mahaffey sticks around just because I think he makes the most sense. I know we talked about Kanye Clary in the past, but I personally think that Mahaffey makes the most sense in Mike Rhodes' system. And I think I think Stan here could do a lot of good versus, you know, going to Dayton or Ohio State or even Notre Dame if they get involved. But uh, so I'll say optimistic and say that Mahaffey is still going to come to Penn State, although I will say that I would have thought that it would have been wrapped up sooner by now if that was going to be his decision. But who really knows what's going on? Unfortunately, we do not. I'll agree with you there. I think that Evan Mahaffey is a little more likely to stay, a lot more likely to stay than Kevajai. I would say that it's almost all but wrapped up and it's down to Penn State and Notre Dame. I can echo that. I would say that it's down to the three of Penn State, Ohio State, Dayton. Uh, when it comes to Mahaffey and Mahaffey, I don't think is scheduled to take any more visits. So it really is basically hometown or it just just don't do Ohio State don't do the Jamari Wheeler thing go to if you can go to Dayton that's that's where you're I know you're from Ohio but you are from in fact Dayton so that's fine if you ultimately uh end up there uh but now that's the now that's the other part of it you mentioned Jalen Deloche Uh, what the heck is going on there because he had the visit his teammates were there Ace Baldwin taking pictures Nick Kern and then everything wraps up and he's like my recruitment is completely wide open so (laughs) it it got worse how how did everything go backwards here once again only jalen deloach and i'm guessing the penn state staff too knows exactly what what transpired or what's happening potentially (laughs) uh (laughs) the only thing right uh, yesterday when it it came out that or i guess on monday monday or tuesday maybe it was maybe it was monday i don't quite recall when it came out about Deloach, but regardless, when it came out that he was reopening everything, right? He had a top six of, I think, San Diego State, Miami, Florida State, return to VCU, Penn State, and Indiana. I think were the six schools. And once it came, or this, you know, past couple of days when it came out that he is not, he's completely reopening um, his recruitment and is open to all schools. And he tweeted that out as long as there's reports about it as well. I, it's, right, it's just it's just a bad sign. It said that Penn State still is still under consideration, still involved, but just the buzz going into the weekend of him being there with Ace Baldwin and Nick Kern, right, his former teammates, and the fact that Penn State was getting that first official visit, and that there was you know some buzz that he would be on commit watch, and then he comes out of it, and he not only not only is he still going to take all his visits, but he's like forget about Indiana, San Diego State, Miami, etc. I'm open to anyone that's willing to talk. Um, just on the surface, that that doesn't sound good. Uh, the transfer portal can work in really mysterious ways, and as things can look bleak, all of a sudden a 180 happens. So who, who really knows what's going to happen from here? But on the surface, that's not a great sign, right? If, if Keba had gone to Notre Dame and came back and was like, I'm completely open, I think everybody would basically think, well, he's not going to Notre Dame. So yeah. I can only you know assume the same with Deloach. Unfortunately, 
Uh, so Deloche is kind of exploring while well, Penn State's going to explore other options in the transfer portal as well. Uh, Zach Hicks from Temple has narrowed down his top four Temple, Penn State, Georgetown. And I think I'm missing another one. UTEP. Good old UTEP. UTEP. Okay. UTEP. Uh, all right. He's down to three. Uh, <laughs> well, so there was a, it was a free article from 24 seven that came out. I think it was Temple's 24 seven um, uh, site that came out on Tuesday with his dad saying that he and his Zach Hicks's mom preferred Temple or UTEP, which I have to say, I, I okay. <laughs> all right. No offense to UTEP. I'm sure uh, I've heard like pretty good things about it. Great institution. Metro. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a nice little town. It's just Temple, Georgetown, Penn state, UTEP. It just seems it seems seems a little weird. So is Hawaii in there too? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, just like you could have given me Wyoming. Like, if you would have said his top four involves Georgetown, Temple, Penn State, you could have given me 50, 60, 70 guesses of what the fourth team is. I don't think I'd get even close to UTEP. So I'm not sure what the connection there. If they have like a Philly guy on staff or Zach X is originally from from Canton, so basically Philly. If they have like a Jersey guy on staff, what the what the connection there is. But yeah, at least at least from dads. And keep in mind, he did say that he hasn't like really talked with his son about it, that, that they were yeah. going to be doing that the next couple of days and hopefully come to a decision Thursday, which is today when this podcast is coming out. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Zach, obviously, I assume can make his his own decision. But um, yeah, so perhaps don't count UTEP out like like I think we were both doing prior to prior to knowing that. All right. Good to know. So uh, other targets for Penn State in the transfer portal and, and it's official Ace Baldwin and Nick Kern are both signed. So they can't they can't walk back at not at the moment anyway. <laughs> um, I, I guess they could do something crazy at the end of the night, but they're at least here for a year. Right. Um, and and everything else that is, that is going on. Um, so who are some of the other there's a couple two guys. There's two guys that they're looking at right now that they want to bring in and think that they have legitimate shots are. What can you tell us about that? So the one player that, that we can talk about is Georgetown Center. I believe it's pronounced Cutis Wahab. It might be Quidus Wahab. I'm not exactly 100 mm-hmm. percent sure, but he's the Georgetown Center. That was one time Maryland Center. That's now a Georgetown Center again. Um, if people remember when Patrick Ewing saved his job back in 2021 when they won the Big East tournament, uh, Wahab was a big part of that. Six foot 11, 245, once again, another old school center, back to the basket post game. He was a big part of, of helping Georgetown uh, win that Big East title. On the year, yeah. he averaged 12.7 points per game and 8.2 rebounds. And during the Big East tournament and then their their NCAA tournament, their appearance, I believe they lost to Oregon State. Um they he averaged something like 16 and 9 16 and 10 so i had a really big couple weeks and and after that he decided that he would enter the transfer portal he went to maryland where i can only pres- uh, assume that nil was kind of a big factor there um while at maryland it was the season that they fired mark turgeon after a couple games so they were kind of despite the fact that they came in with really high expectations um they kind of uh, puttered out as the year went went along he averaged seven points and, and only five and a half boards at Maryland that year in 19 to 20 minutes per game. So wasn't exactly what, what I think he was hoping for and certainly what the Terrapins were hoping for. So after the season, he then transferred back to Georgetown. And again, this comes back to the whole, these guys can just constantly transfer sometimes. The NCA yeah. seems like. If, the, if you get the waiver, yep, the almighty yeah, waiver. Like, 
you get a random waiver, they're okay. So he then transferred back to Georgetown for this last season with, with Patrick Ewing and didn't really look all that much better uh, compared to what he was doing at Maryland. Um, he averaged just under 10 points a game this year and seven rebounds. Again, not bad stats, right? If, you're, if your center is going out there and is putting up nine and seven or 10 and eight, right? I think generally that's that's okay. It's just where he was at when he was a sophomore in 2021. He, you know, was averaging almost 13 points and averaging almost 10 rebounds and and had such a good, you know, two or three week stint going into the Big East tournament at the Big East tournament and then NC and then in the NCAA tournament that people thought, hey, maybe this is a potential NBA guy and and he's kind of taken a step back and hasn't progressed to that level. Certainly, still at least for for Penn State is going to be a starter starting quality center so yeah he's scheduled to visit it's either this week or this weekend i think it's i think it's it could be multiple days so we'll we'll see what happens there but um yeah two years ago this would have been like massive getting wahab now i think penn state's going to be the kind of program that would be going after him uh you know power five or power six i guess in, in college basketball teams that are trying to make it into the tourney um so schools like penn state should hopefully have a pretty good shot at him and there's one other guy. I mean, uh, there's Darius Maddox who who took mm-hmm. his visit, but they're also targeting Quentin Malora Brown. Uh, any indication about how likely they could get either of those guys? Yeah, so Darius Maddox, uh, Virginia Tech guard. He's originally from the Maryland area, so um, has strong ties to Jamal Brunt, Penn State's associate head coach, who's originally from Baltimore himself. Uh, Maddox also then played at Oak Hill, which is where Josh Reeves played, one of the best prep schools in the country yeah. so mags coming out of there was uh you know a top 100 or borderline top 100 prospect looked pretty good at virginia tech had a really really good sophomore season um two years ago and then this past season he he became a starter numbers kind of dipped a little bit and then he left the program for personal reasons um that were undisclosed so we'll see what happens he's another kid that i don't think he has any social media at all i was trying to find over the weekend was trying to find uh his instagram or find his twitter just because i saw that Ace Baldwin and Kern and Deloach were all posting lots of Penn State stuff. And Migos, by the way, Quavo from, from Migos yeah. was also posting yeah. about Penn State because he must have a connection to Deloach. So um, I just think another quiet kid that that he might just out of thin air just commit um, and he could be taking other visits. But would certainly be a nice option next to Ace Baldwin just because he can do a little bit of everything. He can shoot. Um, he can create catch and shoot. Um, good length, 6'5", can, can play defense. So it would certainly be a good good option next to ace Baldwin. locked on nittany lines is now your go-to podcast for penn state rivals happy valley insider.com take a visit over at the website for the latest in penn state football men's basketball news and analysis it is another locked on nittany lines podcast as we go into the final segment and pat i just your overall takeaways in general we'll keep this pretty condensed here we did a lot of uh, men's basketball talk but football obviously stole the weekend uh, with all the recruits in town. Uh, the blue team beat the white team. Shocking there. But it was only 10 to nothing. So I know that everyone's walking away with, well, the offense is not what it needs to be. And no, it's just the defense is really that good. What were your observations from a 10 to nothing uh, blue control from start to finish? I think like everybody else, it was it was the defense, just like you were saying. I think every year, every every blue and white game, the offense always seems really far behind. So I don't necessarily put that much stock in. I think there's been years where it was high scoring, but it was also didn't Franklin do like a weird 
like scoring system the one year where if you got like a certain amount of yards, you got points and, and things like that. Three so, and out, uh, three and out for the defense was essentially a safety. Yeah, exactly. So I think generally speaking, the offense, it's never blew my games are never high scoring, even going back to the Paterno days. So I don't put too much you know stock into the fact that the offense didn't look that good, because generally speaking, the offense is always going to be behind the defense. Even when we get into the summer and, and you know, we hear about, you know, buzz coming out of camp or even James Franklin talking and someone's always the defense is ahead of the offense. And obviously there's been a lot of elite offenses, you know, dating back to the Moorhead days at Penn state. So not greatly concerned about what the offense looked like. Um, it was very vanilla version of the offense, which is yeah. going to be the case for any college, but main takeaways. I really, I think like a lot of people loved what Tony Rojas looked like. I was a big fan of his coming out of high school. Uh, the only worry that I had was the fact that he was 190, 195 pounds on his high school film. And who knows what his athleticism and his burst is going to look like once he once he adds the weight to, to play linebacker. And obviously, he's now at it 30 pounds, according to James Franklin. And I thought he looks really good. Uh, it's going to take some time, just like it did for Micah Parsons, just like it even did for for Abdul Carter um, till they really, you know, break through the rotation and get lots of snaps. But He's the type of kid that I can see by year end it being, you know, he being right behind Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter for being the best linebacker on Penn State's on Penn State's roster. Um, like deny Dennis Sutton, Amin Vanover, the fact that those that those guys are Penn State's two backup defensive ends is is pretty crazy because I think those two could start at a lot of different Big Ten schools. So defensive end looks really good. Um, I love Kevin Winston. Kevin Winston's one of my guys at safety. Mm-hmm. Granted, they weren't challenged really basically at all deep. I don't think Drew threw probably more than like 20, 20 yards. So, uh, again, wasn't vanilla game plan. And I think the safeties and just the defense knew that in general, that they could attack the line of scrimmage. But like what we saw from Winston, big kid, athletic, um, really excited to see what he turns into the next couple of years. Uh, so, yeah, which, good blue and white game. Uh, I think I think it stinks that they got hit with the rain just because I think mm-hmm. Thursday and Friday were so such like beautiful days. And then, of course, you get to the blue and white game and you get not. I don't know. Was it downpouring? Uh, a little just... uh, to start. Everything cleared up. At least it was just kind of overcast for yeah. uh, most of the game mm-hmm. itself. But it poured, it poured, it poured. And then as soon as two o'clock rolled around, weather was yeah. perfect. It was playable. We'll say yeah. that. So yeah, what were your takeaways other than other than the weather? Yeah, I, I mean, I I'll, I'll keep it. I have other episodes around this, you know, right? Appreciate you asking me, but I think Drew Aller, everything you said, you know, deny Dennis Sutton stood out, and James Franklin called him a starter. Yeah. Essentially, I know he's not going to, but he will play starter reps. Uh, when all said and done, even if he's not the first defensive end on the field, it's going to be Chop and Adisa Isaac, but Denai will rotate in a lot. Uh, same thing, observations about Tony Rojas. So everything you said, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Unlocked on Nittany Lines from Pat about Tony Rojas. Tamir Robinson to see him play after all just yeah. the, the crap and bad luck that he's been through to see him play. And, and, you know, make some freshman mistakes, but go toe to toe up and down the field. And, you know, as I'm watching the highlights back and kind of going through all my notes and and rehashing some stuff, I, I just think ultimately the most important takeaway, it's not the biggest or the the sexiest or the most controversial, but Drew Aller's the starter. There's mm-hmm. there's no there's no more competition. And I I don't know how I'm not saying it wasn't serious, but Drew is just and everyone says well he he was facing the scout team and Bo had to go up against the first team it's like yeah that that was the case but the nuances of Drew yes not playing with 
the scout offense that he was, they wanted to see the chemistry on full display and just drew just kind of conducted himself a lot better. I think the biggest thing is just the way that he sees the football field. He's just a better football player than Bo. I think Bo is a gamer, but when it comes to X's and O's, this is the case of uh, Tommy Stevens and trace McSorley all over again. McSorley was the better quarterback when it came to analyzing defenses. And I think that's just the case with drew drew went through his progressions perfectly. Uh, He didn't get spooked again. I know the pressure wasn't in his face all the time, but just the way he's able to move new, in the pocket Bo just kind of just takes off bails out and and I like that Aller's not afraid to stay where he's comfortable rather than and that's just the difference Bo can run but mm-hmm. you know Bo can run so I'm not surprised that he's going to scramble and utilize that asset of his legs uh, but Drew comfortable in the pocket the reason they scored that touchdown was because he went to his first option wasn't there second option wasn't there third o- third option wide open Amari Evans so that's how you have the touchdown but uh, Drew shows veteran-like qualities in a 19-year-old quarterback yeah I was I had to do it on a rewatch just because I'm also a big Sixers fan they were on at the same time so playoffs <laughs> took a press how dare you <laughs> took pressing over a scrimmage but uh I just had some friends that were like ah Drew didn't look that great I thought he looked I mean yes he we all wanted him like we were talking about we all want him to go out and throw three touchdowns and not have any incompletions but I thought that all the good things that that were excited about Drew basically showed, right? His just like you talked about how he's able to move in the pocket, how he's able to go through progressions and keep his eyes downfield, and and just his ability for him. I, I feel like he doesn't get flustered, even going back to last year when he got thrown into that Purdue game and they showed him on the sidelines and he was like laughing, giggling. Uh, so I just think that's really important in a quarterback and, and why some guys succeed and some fail is, is realizing that yes, you're, there's going to be big moments, but not letting the moment be too big. And, and obviously the blue white game is not a big moment per se, but mm-hmm. just the fact that, you know, on that first series, he, he missed a couple throws was, was behind his receivers. And that was something that kind of did pop up throughout the day, but just that he, he kind of just forgets about things and just goes on to the next play, which, which I think is really important. So, and really exciting for us Penn State fans. Another edition of Locked on Nittany Lines in the books with special guest Pat Korbler of Black Shoe Diaries, SB Nation. Pat, where can everyone keep up with all your great work? And you're like, if you want anything about Penn State men's basketball, check out Pat's writing over at Black Shoe Diaries. Definitely. Yeah. Just like Zach said, blackshoodiaries.com is where you can find all my writing. And then if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can see if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it down on the bottom of the screen, but at Porbler, P-O-E-R-B-L-E-R. All right, Pat, thanks for the time. Can't wait to connect again. And again, it's a fluid situation with Penn State men's basketball. So uh, we could get the Keba Jai, Evan Mahaffey, all that news uh, very soon. So excited for our next conversation. Thanks again for your time. Definitely. Thank you so much, Zach.